to the teaching ministry of Pastor Jay Eberly. Get ready to be empowered through the understanding of God's Word. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 11, he gave us what we call the fivefold ministry offices. And uh, those ministry offices are the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Then he said, therefore, the maturing of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come up and grow up. You can read all that. We've been reading that. And then he said uh, that we may grow up into the head in verse 15. Verse 16, from whom? In other words, from Jesus, the head. The whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. So there are joinings in the body of Christ. There are places that we're connected in. That's one of our key scriptures here that we've been using for teaching this subject of divine connections. From whom the whole body fitly joined together. It's important that we be connected up with the rest of the body of Christ in some way. We don't have what the Bible uh, refers to as... uh, Actually, the Bible says don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Well, that's something that they had to deal with back then, and it's also something we have to deal with today. So he said we're to be not just joined spiritually. Whenever we're put into the body, we're joined up in the place God pleases to put us, but we ought to show up in the place we're joined. Amen. He said he put us in the body as it pleased him. I think it would please him if we be faithful to where he's joined us. Praise the Lord. You know, a lot of people, they think, well, my problem is I just don't have enough faith. Well, really, they have a habit problem, a problem of not having a habit of going to church. You understand? They ought to be faithful to their church, and that would solve the faith problem. They'd start hearing, and hearing would produce faith. Faith comes by hearing. Anyway, from whom uh, the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. Joints supply. So where God's joined us, we have a supply there. According to the effectual working in the measure of every part. So every part of the body has a measure of God's power working in it. The effectual working in the measure of every part. It's talking about the power of God that works in each one of us. Uh, And by that power working through each member, or each member bringing their supply, as we have said, that's what he's talking about, every joint supplieth. That's what we mean when we're talking about a supply. We're talking about the supply of the Spirit that we have. That's not just fivefold ministers. All of us have a supply. Every joint supplieth. Every, the effectual working in the measure of every part. Every part. See, God's, Jesus' body was one whole uh, part uh, whenever He walked the earth. But now He's got a physical body. Uh, uh, it's a glorified body at the right hand of the Father. But He also has a spiritual body. And we are members of His spiritual body. And the body now was broken. Remember, he took the bread and he broke it. And so we each have a measure of the anointing. He had the spirit without measure. I believe we as a broken, uh, we're all in one body, the body of Christ, but we're, in a, we're a piece of that body. And uh, we have a measure of what Jesus had on him. And the working of every, the working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body. Increase comes through everybody bringing their supply of the spirit. Increase of the body under the edifying. That means building up of itself in love. Praise God. So not only do we have a supply in the body of Christ, we have something to bring to the body of Christ somewhere, and we should be faithful to bring that. But uh, we have some, uh, somebody else in our life that God's joined us to that has a supply for our lives. 
Isn't that cool? God has, there's, a, there's an outflow from each of us, but there's an inflow from, from the head through other parts of the body into each one of our lives. Like I said a number, number of times, it just came to me whenever I was getting ready about two weeks ago that you never see, like me, you never see me walk, you didn't see me ever walk into a service or a friend of yours walk into a service and their whole body was one part except their arm was hanging out here, not connected to the body, just hanging out there in the air. No, every part of our body is joined to the body. Amen. Praise God. Well, I'm preaching to the choir this morning, so... Um, you know, some of these things we've, we've well established in, in previous services. But I want to get, pick this up again because there's different levels of these. We call them, in, in different terminology, we call them divine connections, you know. Well, we call them joints and every joint supplieth. We call them divine alliances, you know. We call them different things. But um, what we're talking about is, is, the, is one particular aspect of this kind of relationship in the body of Christ. And that is uh, spiritual fathering. We've been talking about that one because the Lord's focused in on that one. That doesn't mean that's the only kind of relationships there are in the body of Christ, you understand. But, um, but this one's not been understood, and the more I understand it, the more I realize the necessity for us to spend here at church, at Spirit of Faith, to spend some extended time on it. Now, this is not take, we're not trying, a person that is a spiritual father is not trying to take the place of, a, uh, <clears throat> of the Father God, in other words. Because there is no one who can. That's ridiculous and not even, you know, don't, we're not trying to be stupid here this morning. <laughs> How many of you know nobody can take God's place? No human being can. Well, we're not trying to and we're not saying that anybody who is a spiritual father should be trying to take that place any more than we're saying that a pastor is taking the place of Jesus, the good shepherd. Any more than we're saying that a, a teacher, one who stands in the office of a teacher, is trying to take the place of the Holy Spirit. You can't take the place of Jesus by pastoring. You're really carrying out His heart through a pastor. A pastor, God's able to, Jesus is able to do for people what He has in His heart to do for as their shepherd. You know, it's just a human vessel that He's coming, He's bringing that part of His heart through somebody to bless somebody else. Amen. It's, they're no more, you know, I don't know what you'd call it. Uh, you know, sometimes people say, well, you know, are you saying some are more important than others? Well, no, no more valuable. Everybody's got the same value in the body of Christ. But there are some that God sent to us to minister to us. And we are to honor that place, that anointing or whatever that is. So, um, you know, we were saying that. We don't want to confuse people and think, well, what is this spiritual fathering? Sounds kind of weird. Well, Paul talked about it. And we looked at it back here in 2 Corinthians uh, uh, I mean, excuse me, 1 Corinthians. Let's look at it again, the fourth chapter. Praise God. Verse number 4, uh, excuse me, chapter 4, verse 15. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have you not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore I beseech you to be followers of me. For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord. He'll bring you, you in remembrance of my ways and so forth and so on. Now, um, so here he calls Timothy and the whole church at Corinth his spiritual sons. You know, sons being a general term for male and female. Um, so uh, it's something that Paul did not have problems, the terminology that Paul didn't have problems using. 
He called Timothy his own son in the faith over in 1 Timothy. He called Titus a spiritual son. He called uh, Onesimus and different people spiritual sons. You can see him, uh, uh, the relationship he had with them, you can see that in a different relationship than, than the rest of the individuals. Maybe that he didn't have as much to do with raising them up spiritually. But these, we can learn a lot by looking at his relationship with these individuals. Amen? So we're talking about this kind of a divine connection. Aren't you glad for divine connections? Now, this kind of connection is to someone who is a spiritual leader in this case. There are others who uh, we have connections with in the body that were just sort of, uh, you know, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, but we have some sort of affinity uh, to, to understanding the way they think spiritually, you know, and we enjoy their fellowship, you know. They're not necessarily a leader over us. We're not a leader over them. Maybe it's just we're, we're peers, you might call it. I have peers in the ministry, friends that we have good time, fellowship and back and forth. They're not, uh, you know, a leader to speak into my life per se that, uh, that has that kind of place, but we have good fellowship. So, we're, you know, there's all different kinds of relationships in the body of Christ. And the, the, the body, really, to be honest with you, part of spiritual growth is properly connecting to the relationships that God brings into our lives. It's not just feeding on the Word and making your confessions. You need fellowship. Thank you for your enthusiasm this morning. You need fellowship. From about here over, we need some increase. Somebody said, you're always preaching over here. I know they pull over here. And if you're tired of it, move over here. <laughs> Amen. See, look at you all over there. Just explaining things in case you're wondering. <laughs> Hallelujah. We need fellowship. We need iron sharpens iron, you know. There is, a, there, there is an edge that we all get to us. I'm not talking about a wrong kind of edge. I'm talking about a sharpness spiritually that we all get by being around other believers. And I'm not talking about spiritual duds either. That they never can talk about spiritual things. Amen. I'm talking about people that iron sharpens iron. People that are sharp. You know, you know what a fanatic is? How many of you want to know what a fanatic is? It's just somebody that knows God and loves God more than you do. Those people you're tended to say, they're fanatical. Yeah, I know they're wilder than you. They're fuller than you. That's the kind of people I like to get, I like to hang around. <laughs> They grate on your flesh, but your spirit likes them. Yeah. So, praise God. Now, so when it comes to spiritual fathering, this is one kind of relationship. This is not the only kind in the body of Christ. You understand that. All right, so then last Sunday, we talked about uh, setting landmarks. A spiritual father now. We're going to spend some time on that one. Setting landmarks in your life is one of the things they do. And if you weren't here for that, I don't know if you're enjoying this as much as I am. I'm just, I'm just getting a lot out of this. But uh, this morning, I want to go over to the book of uh, first, actually first uh, Kings, first of all. And uh, we're going to start looking at some of these spiritual father, spiritual son relationships in the Bible, Old and New Testament. 
I keep thinking, Lord, how long is this series going to go? Because the more I preach, the more I see that it needs to be preached. But we'll just see how long He gives us unction here. Um, this is more of a ground laying or a, a foundation laying series, so it's a little bit more teachy, you know. But uh, we need these kinds of series to get, get things established in us, you know. Praise the Lord. Did I say the 19th chapter? I didn't say that. You're supposed to be led and go. I'm just having fun at your expense. First um, Kings chapter 19. Let's look at one relationship here that we find in the Bible that uh, is a spiritual son or spiritual father, spiritual son relationship. Now, I'll show you the beginning of this, and then we'll see how it progressed, this relationship progressed. The Bible says here in the 19th chapter of 1 Kings that the Lord spoke to Elijah. Remember, he was discouraged. He ran for his life. And remember, God spoke to him in that, uh, that uh, what was it, a whirlwind. Uh, the still, excuse me, the still small voice. That's what it was. But then uh, he said, uh, you know, there's not just, he, he thought he was only the only one left, but God said, no, you're not the only one left. He said, go return. This is verse 15. Go return. Uh, on, on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Hazel to be king of, over Syria. Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abam, oh, whatever, uh, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. Notice that, in thy room. And it shall come to pass, let me skip down to verse 19. So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he was the twelve. And Elisha passed by him and cast his mantle on him. Now that's a type of the anointing right there. And he left the oxen, that's Elisha, left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother. In other words, say goodbye to them. And then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done unto thee? And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave unto the people and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. Notice that. And ministered unto him. Well, there's so much here. Let me just point out a few things. He said, I want you to do this in thy room. Verse 16, in thy room. Now, you can look that word room up there because I just thought it meant in your place, you know, meaning to take your place when you're gone, and that's part of it. But in thy room also means in the, he in the Hebrew, in thy uh, place being, there's a spiritual place that you stand in your office. That, that I want you to minister to him out of that spiritual place. In other words, I want you to minister to him when you're operating in that anointing. In other words, do it in thy room. Invite him into your room to do it so that he'll begin to learn things there. He'll grow uh, and then he'll function in that room himself one day. You understand? And so he needs to get this whenever that anointing's on you is when I want you to, to put that anointing on him. Well, Elijah had that, that mantle that represented the anointing and he threw it on him. And you know, there must have been more than, than just what appears to happen in the natural that happened to Elisha for him to say, that's it, I'm, I'm quitting farming and, and I'm going and following Elijah. That anointing came on him. He sensed it. He felt it. Can you say amen? 
So uh, the Bible says that whenever that happened, he said, let me go say goodbye to my mom and dad. And look what he did. He actually killed the oxen and he, he built a fire with, you know, back then they'd have plows made out of wood, made a fire out of that plow. And he made the feast for everybody. And then he rose up and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. That's very interesting. In other words, he made such a commitment to this relationship. Now, this is important. Now, we're going to go over and we're going to see this as a father-son relationship, spiritual father-spiritual son relationship. He made such a commitment to this relationship that he said, there is nothing that I am going back to ever. I am never going back to farming. This is it for the rest of my life. I will never leave my man of God. I'm not going to have an opportunity to come back to farming if this doesn't work out because I'm not going to allow there to be an opportunity. I mean, he sold the farm if you want to say that. He totally sold out to this relationship. Boy, you don't see that kind of thing much today. Nor do you see a transfer of a mantle like, like that is getting ready to happen because there's not that kind of a commitment. All right, so notice he arose and he ministered unto him. Ministered unto him is explained a little better in 2 Kings 3. I want you to go over there, just a few pages. Look at verse 11. Later on when Elijah was gone, he went up in the whirlwind. The Bible says that uh, one of the kings, or a couple of the kings, which one was it? The king of Israel. Uh, he was needing uh, to hear from God. You know, back then, uh, they, the, not everybody had the Holy Ghost. But the prophet had the word of the Lord. So he was needing a word from the Lord. And uh, he said, I need, let's go to verse 10. The king said, alas, that the Lord hath called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. But Jehoshaphat said, is there not here a prophet of the Lord that he may inquire of the Lord by him? And one of the kings of Israel's servant answered and said, here is Elisha, the son of Shaphat, which poured water on the hands of Elijah. Now, so when it says back here in 1 Kings 19, 21 that he ministered unto him, you see a little bit more over there in the third chapter of 2 Kings what was going on. Pouring water on his hands. Now that just sounds like, what on earth does that mean? Well, back then, you know, they didn't have running water. If you wanted to wash your hands, you had to get a pitcher. And, you know, how are you going to wash both hands holding a pitcher? So he would, he would, he would basically he was in helps ministry is what he was. He was serving as a man of God. I wanted you to see that because that's how things get started. All right, now you're there in the book of 2 Kings. Let's go back to the second chapter. Let's start in verse number 1. Everybody going to get something out of this? We're learning about spiritual father, spiritual son relationships. Verse number 1. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went to, or excuse me, went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elisha, excuse me, Elijah, boy, I wish one of them's name was Bob and the other was Tom. It'd be easier. But Elijah said unto Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. All right, so Elijah's getting ready to go to heaven in the whirlwind. Elisha has been following him, ministering to him, learning, observing. He's watched that anointing operate. He even had it come on him and, and the Lord told him, I want you to train him in that room because he's going to be prophet after you. Now, so there's going to be a transfer of anointing from one man to another. Now, notice this man that wants the anointing is Elisha. He's staying real close. And Elijah's getting ready to go to heaven. He went uh, to Bethel. He said, I'm going to Bethel from Gilgal. And he said, you just stay here. Elisha said, as my Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth. 
as God liveth and as you so liveth. I will not leave thee. So I said, why would Elijah say that to Elisha? You just stay here. I don't know exactly, except I think sometimes God will just prove you to see if you really got what it takes. Amen. I know the Lord's had me do that with people. Just see if they really are going to show up. Amen. Anyway, some, some of you like it. Some, by the time I'm done today, some of you will not like it. Elijah said unto Elisha, Terry, here I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. Now that's not Elijah's job, the dad, spiritual father, to see to it that his son stays with him. It's the son's responsibility, it's the son's job to stay close to his father, not his father's job to keep him close. Now, I won't explain what it means by close because there's so many things people have had questions about about some of these things. He said, I will not leave thee. And you know this happened several times. Verse 3, it says, The sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came to Elijah, and, excuse me, Elisha, and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take thy master from thy head today? In other words, they had revelation knowledge of what was going to happen. Elijah knew it. Elisha knew it. And all these other sons of the prophets knew it. So they had revelation. Notice, don't you know that he's going to go up to heaven today? He said, yea, I know it. Hold your peace. In other words, I'm only listening to one voice right now. Somebody else has revelation, fine. But I just, I'm just following my man of God. So he said, uh, just, just, just be quiet. <laughs> Amen. Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And the same thing happened. He said, no, I'm not going to leave you. And then he went, he said, I'm going to Jordan in verse number six. And he said, no, I'm not going to leave you. So they two went on. Verse seven, 50, 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off, and they too stood by Jordan. Now notice, these other ones who were supposed to be in the same school getting spiritual things from this man, they were standing afar off. In other words, they didn't have the same kind of relationship. They were standing afar off whenever this happened, and they, they too went, stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters, and they divided hither and thither, so they too went over on dry ground. And it came to pass, when they were gone over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken up away from thee. And Elijah, Elisha said, I pray thee for a double portion. Let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. He said, thou hast asked a hard thing. In other words, double the anointing that Elijah had. And thou hast asked a hard thing. Well, what does it mean, a hard thing? In other words, I can't do that. That's going to have to be God. Thou hast asked a hard thing. He said, nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee, but if not, it shall not be so. Well, what does that mean, well, if you see me? Well, a couple of things, I think. Number one, he's basically saying, you're going to have to stay close. Because how many of you know, whenever this did happen, in fact, let's just keep on read it, reading it. And it's verse number 11. It says, uh, it came to pass, as they still went on, he talked with, and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder, and Elijah went up by whirlwind into heaven. Whew, glory to God. My, I'd love to see that. And Elisha saw it. 
In other words, he was close enough to see it. And he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. Now notice that. My father, my father. See, he had made him a spiritual father in his life. Now, he saw him no more after he saw him. He went up into the cloud and he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. He took also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the banks of Jordan. It's all right. That mantle represents the anointing. And he stayed close enough to know where that anointing fell. And he was able to pick that up. And he able, you read the accounts. In fact, you see right here the very next verse. He took the mantle of Elijah and smoked the waters, verse 14, and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had smoked the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. Now notice verse 15. And when the sons of the prophets, which were to view at Jericho, saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed himself to the ground before him. So he got that anointing. That anointing, even the other prophets, sons of the prophets, they recognized that. And you can see the miracle that Elijah did to break the water. He had that same miracle. Elisha had the same miracle happen to get back over. And you read the book of, you read the account of Elijah's miracles and count them up. And then you read the account of Elisha's miracles and you count them up. And you'll find that Elisha, whenever he died, he got twice as many miracles minus one. But then whenever they put him, remember they were quickly burying some people, but the, uh, the band of Moabites, I believe it was, were coming in. And so they, rather than finish burying him where they were going, they just threw him in Elisha's grave. And, he, and they started running. They turned around, and there's the dead man running after him. <laughs> so that dead man was raised from the dead, making it double. He got double the miracles. Glory be to God. Elisha must have been up there in heaven saying, now listen, God, I didn't get quite, I'm minus one. God said, all right, all right. <laughs> Hallelujah. Can you say amen? So now what we see here is a fathering relationship and a son following his spiritual father. Can you see that? Now, what is a spiritual father's place in a son's life? Just like a natural son brings up a natural, I mean, a, a natural father brings up a natural son. He trains him in all the different things of life that he has to learn. We know and we, none of us question the fact that a person that doesn't have someone in their life like that, they become spiritually dwarfed, not spirit, maybe spiritually, but physically and mentally and intellectually and socially and dwarfed because they haven't learned from somebody who's already been there, done that. We know that. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's what I believe a, 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 a son relationship is all about, is to raise somebody up spiritually. Uh, a spiritual father is to raise somebody up spiritually who has been there, done that. And can show you the ropes, so to speak. Amen. Now, as these things happen, I think a pastor can fulfill a, role, a measure of that. But then there's this, uh, these relationships in the ministry. I believe also that it can apply to where a minister needs somebody that's a more seasoned minister to speak into his life. Amen. Amen. But I believe congregations can get a measure of this out of the pastor's office. Um, it's really kind of dependent on how much people want. Now notice, there's a lot going on here. This is a relationship that uh, can't take, the pla take a place afar off. 
It's not something that is a distant relationship. So this can't be done over TV. This can't be done by watching somebody's TV broadcast. It can't be done by listening to their CDs. It can't be done by listening to them on the Internet. Not preaching against that, you understand. I'm just saying that's a far off, and that's, you can't throw things that far. Besides that, the more we learn about spiritual sons and what that is all about, you'll find that you, you just can't do that long distance. You'll find that to be true is what I'm trying to say. So it's not a relationship that takes place far off. Some things, when a, when, a, when a son is coming up under a father in the natural, some things are explained, but some things are just observed. And you have to be close enough to observe some things. I was watching a documentary yesterday afternoon on, uh, I think it's the Smithsonian Channel, about lions. And about how that young lions are born and they, how they come up. And it showed how the young lions, they sat and they watched them chase down the, the prey. And, and uh, then and as they got older, they'd go out there and run part way, you know. And then as they got to a certain stage, they would actually join in on... They didn't actually bring much supply to it, you know. They just saw how the mom and dad kept jumping on the back of the buffalo, you know. And the last time, the last, they, when the documentary was over, he was, I don't know, partly grown, you know, this one. And he jumped right up there on the back of that buffalo. He was the first one up there. He didn't do much, but he got up there holding on, you know. <laughs> but how did they learn that? They learned that by watching. Watch it, watch it. Oh, look, look, oh, oh, man. And they get that instinct and they start playing with one another. You know, they attack each other and, you know, they're practicing. Hallelujah. But so they just, there's, that's the way parenting is. Moms and dads in the natural do that, but in the spirit. You have to be close enough to catch some things. That's the reason it can't be done far off. Some things are taught, some things are caught. Hallelujah. So they need to be learned by catching some things. Hallelujah. So you need to be there with them when those things take place. Amen. I said you need to be there close when things take place, whenever, whenever somebody's moving in the Spirit. Watch how they do things. So um, then we've got this that we've got to recognize. If, if, if a spiritual son has to stay close in order to catch some things, then his agenda, listen to me, his agenda takes second place to that of his spiritual father's. Because his father might say, I'm going over here. And he might say, well, 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 I had plans. Well, how much do you want it? Amen. See, there was a progression here. Elijah was taking Elisha on a progression. Gilgal, Bethel, Jericho, Jordan. And he had to stay with them through that progression. Some people start out all right, but they don't go all the way to the progression. They don't hold steady till the end to get what they're after. Now, there's a measure of this that can be applied to just a church and a pastor. Because every one of us, remember back in Ephesians, it says that, uh, back we read the fivefold ministry offices is how the head brings things into the body, you know. But if you read the seventh verse there, this is in Ephesians 4, 7. We didn't read it today, but we've read it in the past. It says that every member has grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So God actually distributes things to the body, graces for their lives through their connection to a minister. According to the gift, the measure of the gift of Christ. And then he goes on talking about the ministry gifts. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, amen. amen. So what we find then is, is that he stuck with him through that progression. 
He stayed with him, and his agenda was second to his spiritual father's agenda. I have had to change plans. I have had to cancel situations. I've had to all of a sudden go somewhere because the Lord said, I want you to be at that meeting. Amen. Some people aren't committed with that kind of relationship. So that's the reason it takes a long time for them to get what... Amen. Well, I just had, my, I had a plan that week, or I had this going. Well, it just depends how bad you want it. Amen. I'm just trying to help some of you young ministers. Now, for that to happen, then, I, like I said, <clears throat> your agenda has to be second. False sons are more interested in their own activities than sitting under their man of God. Amen. They are willing to sacrifice a divine endowment for, uh, or impartations for personal things that they're interested in. Amen. A father-son relationship is a divine order that's needed by God to pass on these kinds of anointings. Without these connections, there is no true basis of, or spiritual authority to pass these anointings on. Amen. This is a, a, a connection between a father and a son that I'm talking about. There has to be a closer relationship for things to be passed, to be transferred. Remember I said to you, the Lord woke me up and said, well, the first morning I started this series, Sunday morning, He said there's a difference, between, well actually before I went to bed it was, before I went to bed that night before. He woke me up, no I wasn't asleep yet, I'll get this right. But He spoke to me before I went to sleep, trying to be accurate. And he said to me, uh, he said, there's a reward over there for receiving a prophet or receiving a pastor. You know, we could apply it to many different things. Or a righteous man or a disciple. There's different rewards. But he said, notice what's not mentioned there is spiritual fathering. I said, oh, I didn't think about that. He said, because there's a different level than rewards for those who are sons. There is an inheritance. <clears throat> See, whenever your mom and your dad go to heaven, they leave an inheritance. That's not a reward. That's an inheritance because you're a son. Come on, say amen if you can. And what this transfer of what I'm talking about is not something to bless your life personally. It's something transferred from a son, from a father to a son in order to flow through you so you can walk in for the rest of your life. There are many blessings that come from a father to a son as well that bless your life. Don't you misunderstand that? But you understand here, now what's transferred from Elijah to Elisha is in a mantle for him, an endowment for him to stand in to minister. Different than what a reward is. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor he's preaching good whether you know it or not. Hallelujah. Now this is a relationship between a father and a son, not a father and an organization. Somebody said, well, I'm ordained over here at so-and-so place and, and uh, I'm going to get some things from them. Well, it doesn't come through an organization. It comes through a relationship. Tell your neighbor, that's, that's help for you if you get a hold of that. In other words, it's through a relationship, a long-lasting covenant relationship. That's how anointings are passed from one generation to the next. It's passed from spiritual fathers to spiritual sons within a spiritual family. Amen. Amen. Without these relationships being in place, things are lost in the earth. We're going to look at that a little bit today. Amen. I'm talking about a spiritual birthright. Like uh, Esau despised his birthright. He was an inheritor of the birthright, which is, was an endowment of the spirit as much as natural. There was a natural side to it, but there was a spiritual side to the firstborn's endowment, his blessing. 
And uh, so Esau despised that, and he didn't get it. But Jacob, uh, he was hungry for it. And what Esau despised, Jacob got. Hallelujah. He got a birthright, a spiritual inheritance from a spiritual father. Now, you can despise what belongs to you and fail to get it and lose it. Can you say amen? Amen. Many want the benefit of having an inheritance through a spiritual father relationship, but they fear the accountability. They, They want the benefit of a rich spiritual heritage, but despise the thought of submitting to anyone else but themselves. They desire the stability of being fathered, but they fail to overcome the obstacles that that, uh, uh, prevent this connection. They're consumed with personal schedules. They're perimeter people who fail to sit close and stay close and sit under the training of their father. Their lives are characterized by the ups and downs of the disconnected. They are high maintenance and low output. They are the lots of the modern day church who will abandon their man of God over cattle or some natural thing. You know, Lot Lot went with Abraham and he got blessed because he was connected to Abraham. But he got over there and got to lusting after... The Bible says that Abraham said, you choose, you know, there's strife between our herds. Our herdsmen, really, between the herdsmen. And he said, we don't want strife. Abraham was a spiritual man. He knew strife's going to shut this down. So he was uh, talking to a spiritual man. Abraham said, well, listen, we don't want strife. He said, I'll tell you what, you take that side if you want. I'll take this side. But if you want this side, I'll take that side. Whichever one you want. Look, the Bible says Lot, King James says Lot chose. The Amplified says Lot chose for himself. He chose for himself the well-watered plain over here. And he gave Abraham the rocky ground, didn't have as much grass. You know, cattle need sheep or whatever. They need grass. So basically, Lot's just thinking about natural things, and he's separated from Abraham because Abraham was trying to keep strife out, but Lot should have had this thought come up to him. He should have had this thought. The only reason I have all these cows is because I'm connected to a man of faith that has a covenant and is anointed to help me. And really, I'm not going to separate from you. I need to be like, he, he didn't know the story of Elijah yet and Elisha, but he should have set the precedent to be like this and said, I'm not leaving you over cows. I'm not going to go over there and you go over here. I'm going to have a barbecue. I'll invite your people to the barbecue and I'll just cut down on the size of my herd and we'll stay right here. Thank you. The Bible said, though, he didn't do that. So he separated from Abraham and he moved over here towards Sodom. The Bible said he pitched his tent towards Sodom. You read just a few verses later and he ended up living in the city of Sodom, in that, you know, cesspool of Sodom. He's very oppressed in there. And you know, I was thinking about this. I've not seen a cow. I don't think I've ever seen a cowboy movie because nowadays he was different than the way it was back years ago. But you watch a cowboy movie, always the, 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 peop- the owners of the ranch live out there on the ranch. They don't live in the city. Lot's living in the city. Within a few verses, he's living in the city. That means he must have sold all those cows because he liked the city. Hey, that makes me a country. I like country. I'm, 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 I'm all right today. You know, Teresa's even become a little bit of a country girl. Did you know that? A little bit, a little bit. Anyway, so he must have sold those cows to move in town. 
I've never seen a cowboy movie where the, the man who owns the cattle is in the city. He's always out there. He has the ranch out there. He's close to those cows. Because those cows might need him right now. You understand? So he must have sold those cows to get what he wanted, but he wouldn't sell those cows to get a spiritual endowment. Some people, they do not value spiritual things as much as they value whatever they want. Shucking the corn this morning. <laughs> Come on. They, we have this today. We have lots in the body of Christ who will, uh, you know, sacrifice a spiritual endowment or an impartation. Or they will choose physical substance over spiritual supply. You look at his life from then on. The day Lot made that decision was the day his life started going down, 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 down. He lost all those cows, apparently. He lost uh, his family. He lost his wife. And then, get this, then, there began, then came into his uh, family incest. Remember after uh, Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed? You know, uh, they figured, Lot's daughters figured, well, you know, to keep seed for our, for our father going, we'll lay with him, have sex with him. And they tried to uh, perpetuate a lineage, listen, to preserve the lineage of Lot whenever they lost the spiritual lineage that Abraham was going to give them. Lot's daughters slept with the, their father in an effort to preserve his lineage. So really, this is what's sad, is some people will attempt to counterfeit a lineage after abandoning a lineage established by God. Hello. I see this all the time, folks, and it's just sad to watch. It's not fun at all. I have to keep on remembering what Jesus said to me one time and spending all the time thinking about all the people and everything. that He said, get your eyes on me. It was just that strong too. Get your eyes on me. Because, you know, you can get... I understand why ministers get burnt out. So you just have to uh, just say, whoever wills, you know, we're going to go here. <laughs> but people, they try to establish a counterfeit thing because they've abandoned the real true lineage that God wanted them to have. Amen. Now, not, not physically, literally physically, but do you have any of your spiritual father's DNA in you? Spiritually, I'm talking about. I'm talking about anything that he carries in his heart that have you picked up? Have you learned anything? I mean, there ought to be some things being put into you from anybody that God's got in your life as a spiritual father. Amen. You can look into the, the physical now, I'm talking about physical DNA, of a physical son and find that DNA that's in his father in him. Well, spiritually, that kind of thing ought to be the same way. Spiritually. Spiritually, there ought to be something imparted from their spirit to your spirit I'm talking about. That is an endowment, it's an inheritance, it's something that came by, by being connected right. Glory be to God. Amen. Can anybody find something in you that, that is in the heart of your spiritual father? Is there anything in your spiritual makeup that's similar? There ought to be. Amen. 
Has there been any anointings imparted through the laying on of hands? Has there been any endowments? It comes from God, you understand, but it comes through men that God connects you to. It's transmitted through spiritual father, spiritual son relationships. It's through the hands of a father that God releases his blessings. Now, um, I got to thinking about this, and this morning it even came clearer than ever that spiritual, every example that I can think of in the Bible that where there was a spiritual father raising up a spiritual son, every time they laid hands on them and imparted into their lives. You could look at here, Joshua, I mean, uh, 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 it didn't happen through the laying on hands, this happened through the mantle, but regardless of how it happened, it was an impartation. Uh, you see Elijah ministering that anointing into Elisha. In the New Testament, you see uh, Jesus laying hands on the disciples. Luke 9, 1, Matthew 10, 1. To start reading those passages. You'll see he ministered to them and gave them the anointing that was on his life, gave them to the disciples. So there was an impartation. Then you come over to the New Testament. Paul's a spiritual father to Timothy. And Timothy says, I mean, uh, Paul says, uh, First Timothy, no, 2 Timothy 1, 6, I believe it is. He said, uh, stir up the gift of God that is in thee which was given thee well, by the laying on of my hands. Isn't that right? So Paul laid hands and transmitted something into his spiritual son. And see, that's the role of a spiritual father, to impart, to bring things that he carries and impart it unto spiritual sons. And I don't think, to be honest with you, things that people want happen with other kinds of relationships. Years ago, somebody asked, you know, when... Uh, this is way back years ago. What is it in the 40s or 50s, whenever it was? 40s, I believe it was. 1940s. Uh, when Smith Wigglesworth went to heaven. All the Pentecostals started saying, I wonder who's, who's going who's, uh, gonna to get that mantle that was on Smith Wigglesworth. Brother Hagin said it doesn't work that way. He said it works through being close like Elisha and Elijah. It doesn't just randomly fall out of heaven. In other words, these things are imparted through certain kinds of relationships. And that relationship will include praying together. Uh, it will include sitting under their, 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 them listening to their spiritual father preach. It will include uh, laying on of hands. It will include private conversations and close associations. Tell your neighbor, we're learning whether we want to or not, we're going to learn this. Amen. God dealt with me. It's a watershed series. We've got to understand this, this because of some things we need to go into. Amen. You getting it? So that's the relationship that a spiritual father and a spiritual son have. Now, um, he'll impart to you. Notice he said to God, said to Elijah, I want you to impart in your room. Now what that means is there is a spiritual room that all ministers operate from that from that room is where whenever they get into that place in the Spirit, let's put it that way, there are places in the Spirit. Remember the Bible says he's seated, we're seated with Jesus in heavenly places. There's places. Remember the Bible talks about that. Uh, then uh, these, these different ministry offices are people who operate from a certain place in the Spirit called a spiritual room. And in that room is the equipment they need to stand in their office. It's different than, a, than another room. Another room might have different equipment because there's different purpose for the person operating in that room. Like, for example, in the offices here at the church. Like, there, we've got certain rooms for secretaries. We've got rooms for ushers and rooms for the, you know, TV guys. They've got different equipment than the ushers have in their 
their room that's going to grow. They don't have much of a room right now. Amen. You understand what I'm talking about? So there's, there's this room, this office, this place that that minister stands must be the place that spiritual sons come into and get imparted to. You understand that? Those impartations are made from that room. Can you see what I'm talking about? Hallelujah. Now, over in the book of... Uh, uh, well, let me just read something to you. Rather than you go there, let's listen to this. Because of uh, the way this happened with Elijah and Elisha, we find that... Uh, what happened was, not only did Elisha get impartations from Elijah through that mantle, but he followed him close enough to, to learn the ways that anointing works. Throughout the time he was on the earth, Elijah was on the earth. Amen. So whenever the time come for him to operate in it, because it was his, inher- it was his inheritance, and he was to stand in that place. Do you know that there are things on me, put it this way, there were things on me that aren't on me as strong in this congregation now because others have got it now? Did you know that? (laughs) Well, if you didn't, think about it. There's things that have been imparted. There's things that have been imparted from Pastor Debbie to some of you to uh, take some things off of her, to be honest, that she has on her, but now it's stronger on others. So what was happening was Elijah was showing Elisha the rope, so to speak, so that he could be skillful in his mantle, in his endowment. He showed him how it works. This is the reason 90% of the ministers don't ever get into the first phase of the ministry they're called to. Someone said, I'm not in the ministry. Does this apply to me? Well, whatever you're called to, whatever grace you're to walk in, that works for you too. You know, if ministers aren't in the first phase, how can the church people get into the things, the phases of the things God has for them? So it applies to us. It's not just for ministers here. Amen. Because they don't learn how to yield to that anointing by watching somebody who's been there and knows that. That's the reason many don't get into the first phase or many don't progress spiritually in their Christian walk. Because they're not skillful, not watching somebody who is skillful. Can you see it? So Elisha stuck with his man of God so that when it came time for him to operate in that mantle, he was built right on the inside to be skillful with that anointing. If you leave your man of God, you'll not know how to operate in the mantle when the time comes for you to operate in it. Amen. I like that term built right on the inside. There's all the time when I'm around my man of God, and, and, and my pastor, there's always things being changed. There's always adjustments happening down inside of here. And sometimes it's not fun because I'm having to lay down my thinking, you know. But I've just learned over the years, do you want to get stuck here or do you want to go on? And eventually I usually come around, I don't want to get stuck here. Dear Lord, I don't want to get stuck here. I'm going to pass through this area of my life. And so I go to saying, all right, I I make the adjustments, I make the adjustments. Praise the Lord! You know, a young teenager gets to the place he thinks he knows some things. But he don't know near as much as his dad knows. And all the young people said, Amen! So you need to be built right for whatever God's got for you. Glory to God! So I'm, uh, I'm interested in this, you ought to be interested in this. Praise the Lord. So stay close. That means includes, it includes serve. It means uh, be close to listen to private conversations. 
Praise the Lord. Now, remember Romans 1, 11. I'm, I'm, we got to get to something here. My goodness. This series is growing bigger every time I preach, preach on it. Romans 1, 11. We read here that Paul said uh, to the church at Rome, I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established. Now, <clears throat> some other translations say uh, in this in spiritual endowment will take you to the end. It'll, it'll establish you so you can go to the end. In other words, you won't... Remember Jesus said uh, they fainted as sheep not having a shepherd. See, they didn't, they're not going to finish because they fainted. They're not going to get to the end. So there's endowments that need to be imparted into all of our lives that will help us to get to the end. Now the interesting thing, now I, I've heard other ministers talk about this, but I looked it up to just research it, and every Greek help I've found says the same thing. It's just kind of amazing. Um, he said, I long to see you, and I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. The word gift means miraculous faculty or spiritual endowment. And then it always says in the Greek helps to bring a, a rescue. Yes. To bring a rescue. There's some things that you and I need from our spiritual father that are only going to be, we're only going to be rescued if we stay connected enough to get what they have on their lives. In other words, there's things we're going to fall into. Somebody said, well, all I need is Jesus. Yeah, to get saved, but apparently not to grow up and to, and to finish your course. Because Romans 4 said we need these for the maturing of the saints. Praise God. Are you getting it? So there is, there are endowments. There are rescues that come through the endowment on your man of God. That's interesting, isn't it? Can you see what I'm talking about? So they'll impart out of that endowment. Hallelujah. They impart things into our lives as sons to minister to us, to help us to go all the way to the end. It is our inheritance. You and I have a spiritual inheritance from our Father God. It includes, you know, all the blessings of God, all the blessings of Abraham, all the redemption from the curse of the law, increase of prosperity, healing and soundness of mind and spiritually, all these blessings that we talk about. Thank God for all of them. They're all from God. But we all thank God for people that minister the Word to help us grow in those things. But then there's something, another side to our, endow, I mean, our inheritance, and that is the grace on our life to serve in the body of Christ. That's just as much a part of our inheritance as our prosperity, our healing, or anything like that. And God uses others to bring us into those things. No, it's not, there's, they're not the source of it, but they are the ones God uses us to guide our lives, to bring us into it like a, a natural father guides the life of a son to bring him into everything that God has for him. Amen. So we thank God for those kinds of relationships. And uh, laying on of hands is important. Now, go over with me now to the book of 2 Kings, the 6th chapter. We'll finish this up with something here. Praise God. If you're getting anything, say, I am learning something this morning. We're going to 2 Kings, the 6th chapter. Been trying to get to this for, what is it now, five weeks? Whatever, four weeks? I think this is the fifth week, if I remember right. 2 Kings, chapter number 6, verse number 1. It says, The sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold now, see now he's, He's mentoring some others now, isn't he? He said, or they said to him, Behold now, the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. That means too small. Let us go, we pray thee, 
unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam, and let us make us a place there, where we may dwell. And he said, Go ye. In other words, that's good. That sounds good. We are kind of cramped here. And one said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. I like these guys. They didn't want to do it themselves. They wanted their man of God to be on board with them. Amen. It's important who you take with you in what you're doing. Who you invite into your life in what you're doing. Some people invite bozos into their life to give them a bozo opinion. Well, anyway, I'm just moving right along. I'm amazed at the counsel they get from others. Anyway, so verse 4. He went with them, and when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood, but one, as one was felling a beam, in other words, cutting a tree down, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place, and he cut down a stick and cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. I don't know if it was doing the backstroke or whatever it was doing. <laughs> that just means it came to the top. It's, it's, standing, it's sitting on top of the water. Iron doesn't do that unless it's supernatural. Verse 7, Therefore, he said he, Take it up to thee, and he put out his hand and took it. Praise God. Oh, do you have another hour? <laughs> I'm not going to take another hour, but let me just share some things with you. Here's one of these spiritual sons that is learning from his spiritual father, you might call him. And uh, he said... Uh, they, had, they, were, they were using some equipment that they had in order to uh, build a, a bigger place for their ministry, you might say that. And uh, they were using, a, this man was using a borrowed axe. Now, you remember back then, iron was not as common, or steel, not near as common as today. I mean, that was kind of like a, a rare thing. So it was a very valuable thing, and notice he said it was borrowed. You see what he said there? Alas, it was borrowed. In other words, I don't want to have to pay for this. So he said it was borrowed. Well, there is a natural interpretation of this, obviously, of how being connected to your supply will bring in things that you would have lost financially. But the Lord's really started talking to me about this as a spiritual allegory of spiritual things. Let's look at a few things and uh, see if we can get some meaning out of this. The axe head's a type of the endowment on the minister's life. It is the supernatural on the natural. The handle represents the man, the, the fleshly man. The axe, hand, I mean, the axe head represents something that you don't find just in, nat in the natural. You could go out in the woods and find a stick to put an axe handle on. You could find that natural. But you couldn't go out in the woods and find a, a hunk of lead that's shaped to, and formed in a point to cut a tree down. So that's beyond natural. So we're looking at typology here. Not trying to do away with the actual prosperity increase he got, but I'm saying the Lord's just really been talking to me about another way here. Another way of looking at this. So the axe head is a type of the endowment on the minister's life. That's an instrument that, that's shaped and sharpened for him to use, amen, for accomplishing a particular purpose. It has a job description. It's a piece of equipment that he uses in his ministry. Isn't that right? Now, um, it's useless. Off, the axe head is useless off of the handle, though. 
You can't take an axe, just hold it in your hand and try to cut a tree down. You can't do that. So what we find here then is the man that God has chosen to use has lost his endowment. Man, you know we're laborers together with God. God wants to use us. On our, he puts an endowment on our lives, something of a supernatural faculty on our life. He puts it on our life to enable us to do something for Him. We're laborers together with God. Amen. And this endowment is on loan from God. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, What do you have that you didn't receive? God is the one that endows us. He imparts unto us to give us supernatural equipment to do what we're called to do. This is true in five-fold ministry, but it's true for every one of us. We all have something more to do. If, if nothing else, just go out and make millions and millions and millions of dollars to support the work of God. Amen. So we need something uh, supernatural, and this endowment represents that. And it's on loan from God. It's used by us to, to do our part in building the house of God. Remember that Paul said, we're laborers together with God. You are God's husband, you are God's building. So we're all labor together with God, building up the church. And that endowment on our life is enabling us to do that. Amen. Now, axe heads don't come loose all at once. This thing probably started jiggling loose and he wasn't paying attention. And he lost something that was supernatural on his life. Amen. So, each of us have a responsibility. That's our axe head. Excuse me. Uh, we have a responsibility and an axe head. That endowment. That part of our lives is supernatural. That anointing that we stand in to, to minister as we're called to minister. Amen. But you and I can't stand there holding a stick and beat a tree with a stick and, and build the house of God. Our natural man doesn't do, the, doesn't do what the supernatural part does. Amen. We've got a lot of axe handles laying around the body of Christ. They've lost their endowment. Why? Because they don't have the right relationship with a spiritual father to help them reconnect to the supernatural. A spiritual father will reconnect you to the supernatural. Amen. You can't be swinging a tree, uh, an axe handle against a tree. All you're going to do is make a bunch of bump noises. And we hear a lot of that in the body of Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. You can't accomplish anything without the supernatural on your life. At least in the, in the spirit world, you can't accomplish anything. Amen. So, why do people lose their endowment? They can lose it through just being weary and getting tired. They can lose it through disobedience. They can lose it through unfaithfulness. They can lose it by getting distracted with other things. Amen. Hallelujah. Whenever they lose it, they can't any longer participate. Well, you could do one of two things when you lose it. You could either uh, go sell cars, do something else. Or you can keep going through the motions and hope nobody notices. But a spiritual man will notice. Yeah. I don't hear any. I hear boom, boom. You see, he hears some things in the spirit. That's what a spiritual father is there for, to hear some things in the spirit that you don't hear. He listened into your class and he heard you teach and said, let me talk to you a little bit about some things. I just heard a thud, thud, thudding in there. Oh, I don't know if I can. Well, see, do you want to, be, you want to go forward or do you, do you just want that thing to fly off? <laughs> you ever get, everybody still have a minute? 
Axe heads can be lost through veering from the plan of God. Trying to operate in an office that they're not called to. Carnality. Quitting because of hurts or disappointments or discouragements. Because they're disconnected from their man of God, they can lose their axe head. Not discerning their part in the body of Christ. Thinking they're this, but they're not. They're this. Somebody just came to me the other day. I never said a word to them, yay or nay, the whole time they've been here. But I knew from the time they came here what they said they were supposed to do. I knew they weren't supposed to do it. I didn't say anything. See, I'm not here. They wouldn't listen to me anyhow. They made up their mind. But as they said under the word, eventually they came to me and they said, just the other day, they said, you know what? What I thought I was going to do, I'm not, I don't have that in my heart at all. It's that, that was just my own thinking. Here's what I got in my heart. And I, and I confirmed it. I still didn't say that I knew from the beginning. I, I could have told you that from the beginning. I didn't say that. Amen. We have to discern our place in the body of Christ. Or people can lose the endowment through trying to use the anointing to sell stuff. Merchandising the anointing. Ah, oh, see, God didn't give you that, uh, that uh, product you're selling to gather people. He, the anointing on your life is to gather people. Well, some of you are still thinking about it. But the anointing can be lost. Jesus told Brother Hagin, many whom I have called to such a ministry, talking about the healing ministry, have uh, uh, such a ministry and place my anointing upon, have become money-minded and have lost the anointing. Hello? So people can lose what God put on their life. I, I stand before God and line on some of the things that's being restored in my life right now. I know it's because I connected to Dr. Dufresne. You may say, well, that's a man. No, it's an anointing. Besides that, I love the man because he's the one God chose to use. Amen. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Still there? You're going home. We're getting a little bit deeper this morning. You cannot participate in building the house of God without that supernatural element on your life. Your ministry can't move into increase or whatever you're doing, you can't move into increase without an axe head. Hallelujah. You can lose your cutting edge. Hello? The cutting edge of God's power. Well, you thank God like this man, he had somebody there to help him reconnect with that endowment. Amen. Amen. So he went to his spiritual father and said, I need help. And his spiritual father said, well, let's go back to the place where it fell off. He'll go back to where you lost it. And he'll pinpoint it and help you see. See, you thought it was this, but back here, back here is where you started getting off. Amen. Back where you lost the miraculous. See, you started preaching this message over here that's not in line with the Word of God. You lost that endowment because you're off in left field over here and the Word of God says this. Oh, I'm preaching good this morning. Praise God. <laughs> now, you can just be in pride, just keep on bump, bump, bump against the tree and not doing anything for God. Or you can humble yourself, go to your spiritual father and say, listen, uh, I, I know you can help me put your finger on where the problem got started. Somehow or another, I've, made, I've lost some things here. Hallelujah. What I began with, I'm no longer walking in. Help me reconnect to it. Hallelujah. Glory. Now, if you invite the man of God to go with you in what you're doing as a young minister, he'll support it. 
you know, if he senses it's right, then confirm it. He'll help you to recognize the flows of the Spirit that young people tend to lose because of inexperience. Amen. How many of you know we're living in a generation that we're in a time of restoration of lost flows in the body of Christ? There's some things that have been lost in the body of Christ, and I can't tell you how thankful I am for men like, there's others as well, but men like Dr. Dufresne and women like Pastor Nancy who are saying, no, this is what the Word of God says. We, we stand for the move of the Spirit. Amen. Men have dedicated their whole lives. Generations of men, Smith Wigglesworth, all these men have dedicated their whole life to, hold, to holding this standard into the body of Christ. And we don't want them all to lose their fruit. We want them to hear we got it all because there was generations after us that finished it. So men who are bringing the miraculous back into the ministries. Hallelujah. Men who are spiritual fathers to help reconnect men with the flow of the Spirit. That's who I'm looking for to connect up with. If that's not what you're interested in, you're in the wrong place. Or else your heart's not right. Amen. So it's important who you ask to go with you when doing what God's called you to do. I don't mean he can be there always physically present, you know. But he's, at least that you've sub submitted it to him and he's supporting it. Well, I'm telling you, I've never wanted to be out on my own doing my own thing. I wanted somebody else who knows more than me saying, let me help you. Let me get in there and encourage you and speak into your life and give you some wisdom. Here, think about this now. And, and guide me away from thoughts I had and under the right way. Doesn't that a dad in the natural do that? A natural son, he kind of has some thinking about some things, but a dad says, nah, ain't going to work. Ain't going to work. Been there, done that, ain't going to work. Amen. This generation is losing some things. Mostly because they left their man of God, Brother Hagin. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. The Lord told him it would be lost if he didn't teach it. Well, he taught it and people are still losing it. Amen. So when you're getting ready to build something, whether it's in your life or your ministry or something, it's important who you ask to speak into it. He can confirm things that the Holy Ghost is saying to you. He's not there to tell you what to do. But He can confirm things. Say, that seems good. Seems right. Hallelujah. Or help you properly interpret what you thought. Maybe this is what that meant. Maybe the Lord said this. Maybe this meant that. He can help you properly interpret that. Amen. Or He can show you the ropes of the anointings. Keep you from getting off. Praise God. Somebody's anointed to help you. I want whoever's anointed to help me to help me. Praise be to God. And so what does the spiritual father do? He'll help you reconnect to the supernatural. Reconnect to that endowment on your life. Reconnect to the things that you otherwise would lose. You know, sons in, in the natural, immaturity, as we all grow up in the natural, tends to, to, to make us get off and lose things. And, you know, if it was up to us, we'd lose all. Like, for example, just take the natural physical money that parents give sons. If they don't teach them how to handle money, that money, they, maybe I'll just say they, they inherited $500,000. That money's going to be gone if that parent didn't teach them how to train, you know, how to handle money. All that they gathered up for their whole life is going to be gone in a few months. Isn't that right? Inexperience tends to cause people to lose things that otherwise they should be walking in. 
But aren't you glad there's other people in our life who can speak into our life and say, now, don't do that because you'll lose it all. Don't go to selling all those things at your meetings because you'll lose the anointing. You know what I'm talking about? Don't make it a business meeting. Don't get off of there. Your anointing is in the, the preaching of the gospel, not over here trying to do business with all your connections. We had offices uh, there in Tulsa. When we were starting out in ministry, we had offices in a building where there was other ministers that had offices. Um, a man who renovated his business, and he kind of put some offices in there and told some of it. He was a, it was a Christian business producing uh, Christian CDs and stuff. Back then it was tapes mostly. But he said, I got a bunch of offices back here. If y'all, some of you want to rent them? We said, sure. You know, we need... So we ran them out to some other ministers. And I kid you not, two of those men, one of them actually was totally out of the ministry because of selling phone cards. Dr. Dufresne talking about that, you know? Because he, he used that phone card thing to all his ministry friends. Now he's calling them about phone cards now, not talking about the things of God, just calling about phone cards. And in the churches, he said, now let's have this meeting after the service and we'll talk about these phone cards because we'll pay off your building and everybody do this. Totally out of the ministry. Last I heard, still out of the ministry. Why? Because he, whenever that thing went down, and it did go down, that thing went down, all those people that he used to uh, his, his, made his connections with, they all lost faith in him. Say, so you're the one that got us into this. Hello? Come on, I'm preaching better than your amen. So if they'd have listened to what some were saying, men of God who were seasoned and been there, saw that and saw how it fizzled out, they'd have listened whenever they said, don't get into that. At least if you are, don't get into it with all your connections. If you're going to have a business, you preachers, you do it outside of the ministry. Not with people that are in the ministry with you. Not, you understand? Hallelujah. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. If you would like more information about Pastor Jay Everly's ministry, please visit us on the web at soffc.org or call us at 319-366-2147 or you can write to us at Spirit of Faith Family Church, Post Office Box 8355, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, 52408. And remember, God loves you and you're equipped to live victoriously in every area of life.